We are concluding our road trip series today. This month, we have journeyed all over Nameless, Texas uh, with John and Todd. We've seen the Nameless Cemetery and the Nameless School. And last week, we were at the Nameless Crossroads. Uh, and this week, John Todd went maybe somewhere possibly in the vicinity of the Nameless Cave. Uh, but as we've traveled with them this month, we've been talking about some of the Nameless people from the Bible. And so you remember, we started with the thief on the cross. He's there next to Jesus and he recognizes Jesus. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And then we talked about the widow. She goes to the temple and she gives just her small offering, just two small copper coins, but she gives her last, she gives her best to God. And Jesus says, you have given more than any of them. And then last week we, we looked at Genesis and you remember we talked about the cupbearer from Joseph's story. It takes him some time, it takes him a couple of years, but eventually he finds himself at a crossroads and he makes the right decision. He helps Joseph get out of prison. Today we're going to be back in Genesis and we're going to be looking at Lot's wife. But first let me give us some context. Lot and his family lived in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You may have heard those uh, names before. But scripture tells us that, that these, these cities, this area was consumed with evil. They were selfish and hedonistic, and most notably of all, they were incredibly violent. In fact, just before our scripture for today, some of the people in the city try and attack and assault angels that are staying with Lot. Like that's how rotten, that's how terrible things had gotten. They were willing to harm angels. And so in Genesis 19, those same angels that are staying with Lot tell him and his family that they should flee. They say, get out while the getting is good. They warn them that soon these cities will be overthrown, that they'll be destroyed. In verse 15, this is what they say. They say, flee for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the hills, lest you be swept away. Well, just a few verses later, their warning comes to fruition. And that leads us to our scripture for today. So this is Genesis chapter 19, verses 23 through 26. Let's read. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities, and all the plain and all the inhabitants of those cities, and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and became a pillar of salt. Okay, so Lot makes it to safety, but his wife, who was behind him for some reason, I guess he had run ahead, which husbands, let me tell you, not, not a great move. But Lot runs ahead, and, and uh, which actually is not really that surprising of a move for him. He's definitely an every man for himself kind of guy, but Lot runs ahead, and Lot's wife is behind, and as she's fleeing, we see her make a decision. She looks back. And it's in that simple decision that we find our lesson for today. So first, let's look at the choice that she made. Lot's wife chooses to look back. Now here's the thing, Lot's, Lot's wife didn't just look back out of curiosity. She wasn't just trying to like catch, uh, catch a glance, sneak a peek. That's not what got her. The word used in this scripture for looked back here is navat. 
Navat can be translated as look or looked back, but it's really more than that. It really means to, to desire something, to, to long for something, to regard something favorably. So Lot's wife was doing more than just looking back. She wanted to go back. Even as the cities were destroyed, she was longing for her old life. She was stuck in her sin and her comfortability and her familiarity. She was stuck in her past. She had been warned by those angels, don't turn around. Keep your eyes ahead of you. But she didn't. She looked back. And it turned her into a pillar of salt. And that may seem strange to us and kind of a random part of this scripture, but here's why it's significant. Lot's wife became something useless in the desert. That's where she lived, in, in this desert environment, and she became salt. Looking back made her useless. And look, as much as we may want to shake our head and, 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 and look down on her, shame her for this, this is a mistake that is really common in so many of us. Most of us have known someone, frankly, most of us have been someone who was like this. My sophomore year of college, I transferred to the University of Arkansas, and I got assigned this random roommate, Craig. Now, if you've ever been assigned a random roommate, it is a roll of the dice. But Craig was, Craig was generally a nice guy, but he had this habit that got on my nerves so badly. Craig would talk about his high school football glory days all the time. Craig was the quarterback at his high school, and boy, he wanted you to know it. He would talk about all the touchdowns that he threw, how good he was, how he really could have played anywhere he wanted if he, if, if he had uh, decided to do that. Craig was kind of like Uncle Rico from the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Now, if you've—I <laughs> will say it is hard to describe this movie, but if you've, if you've never heard of it, it's, it's like a strange, low-budget, cult— classic comedy from 2004. And one of the main characters in the film is Uncle Rico. And Rico is this man who is desperately trying to get back. He's trying to go back to his past and relive, reattain those glory days. Uh, I never thought I would do this in the sanctuary, but we're going to watch a one-minute cliff <laughs> from Napoleon Dynamite. So uh, just so you can get a feel for his character, let's watch. <laughs> How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Yeah, if coach would have put me in fourth quarter, we'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You better believe things would have been different. I'd have gone pro. In a heartbeat, I'd be making millions of dollars and living in a big old mansion somewhere. You know, soaking it up in a hot tub with my soulmate. I reckon you know a lot about cyberspace. You, you ever come across anything like time travel? Easy. I've already looked into it for myself. Right on. 
Uncle Rico goes on in the movie and he tries to actually get that time machine and go back and play that fourth quarter. But, uh, but Craig had a little bit of that energy in him. He was a little bit of an Uncle Rico. Uh, anyway, I lived with Craig most of the fall semester uh, of that year, but a few weeks before Christmas break, I honestly just got fed up. And so I reached out to the university and I asked if I could switch dorms and live with a buddy and they said yes. And so one day while Craig was in class, uh, I moved all of my stuff out. <laughs> I evacuated that room in like two and a half hours. But I never actually told Craig that I was going to be moving. And so when he got back to our room that day, I was just gone. And when he texted me and called me, I didn't reply. I 100% bailed on this guy, which I, I now know was not cool. I, I see that now, uh, especially because six months later, I ran into Craig on campus. And he told me that for weeks, he thought something tragic had happened to me. This poor guy thought I had been expelled, arrested, or had died. And it wasn't until somebody told him that I had just moved like two buildings down that he realized that I was totally fine. But here's why I show you that strange video and why I tell you this story. I, I was so annoyed with Craig looking back, being caught up in his past, being an Uncle Rico. And yet at that very same time in my life, I was doing the exact same thing. I was just as much of a pillar of salt. I was just as much of an Uncle Rico. Because at that time in my life, I, I was fighting a call to ministry. I felt like God might be calling me to be a pastor, but I was telling myself that because of my own past, that would never happen. I was too broken, too far gone. I had made too many mistakes for God to use me in that way. And I was stuck looking back on my freshman year. Because my freshman year, I made my first and only ever D in a class. And it was in public speaking. <laughs> and so I was, I was convinced there's no way I was ever going to, to preach a sermon. There's no way I was going to get up in front of a bunch of uh, faces and, and, and talk for 20 minutes. I had all these reasons related to my past, all of these things that I wanted to go back and get a time machine and fix, things I wanted to change. But I see now, really, I was just stuck in looking back, just as stuck as Craig was. I was just as much of an Uncle Rico. In fact, you know what? I was probably worse. Because at least Craig was stuck in his successes. I was stuck in my failure. The point is, it is so easy for us to become pillars of salt. It is, it is so easy for us to look back and to become useless in the desert. It is easy for us to get stuck in the past and to let that define our present. But that is not at all what we're called to do. We are called to make the choice that Lot's wife didn't. We're not called to look back. We're called to move forward. Look, we can, we can always find an excuse to stay stuck in the past. We can always find a reason to look back and become pillars of salt. Take the Apostle Paul, for example. He had every reason in the world to be stuck in his past. On one hand, he had every reason to look back and to have regrets like I did. 
And on the other hand, he had plenty of reasons to miss his old life like Uncle Rico or Lot's wife. Remember, at one time, uh, he, was, he was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He had this highly esteemed job. He had, he had uh, great pay, made good money. People knew his name. People feared him. Later on, when, when he was suffering for the sake of Christ, when he was in prison, shipwrecked, hungry, hurting, he could have looked back. And remember that at one time he also persecuted Christians. In 1 Timothy, we see Paul writing to his young apprentice, and you know what he says? He says, formerly I was a man of violence. He tells Timothy, I was the worst of the worst. I was as far from God as you could be. He could have looked back on that. He could have been filled with shame, and he could have let that stop him. But you know what? He didn't. He didn't spend his time yearning for the comforts of his old life, and he didn't let his past mistakes freeze him and turn him into a pillar of salt. Because Christ had given him a new life and a mission. And until the day he died, he pursued that mission to plant churches and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's who he was. He was a man who didn't look back, but instead moved forward. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, one of of my favorite chapters in the Bible, this is what Paul writes. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal toward the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul pressed on, and you know what? So do we. We press on. We move forward. We forget what lies behind, and we strain toward what lies ahead. We can look back, and we can get stuck in our glory days or or in our past failures, or we can choose to move forward to whatever it is God has for us, whatever he is calling us to next, whatever mission is in front of us. I told y'all that, that uh, my sophomore year of college was a time in my life when I was running from ministry. Uh, I was struggling to figure out where, what God had for me. I was, I was resisting it. And um, after that year, I think I, I, I would say now, looking back, I can see that, that I took the first step toward what God was calling me to. That, that summer after uh, my sophomore year. I took an internship with a, a Methodist-backed nonprofit in Dallas called Project Transformation. I've talked about this before, but uh, Project Transformation PT is a literacy program for kids uh, below the poverty line, K through 12. Uh, but it also has a dual purpose. It also helps college students like me explore careers related to education, nonprofit work, and also pastoral ministry. Anyway, that summer there were about a hundred of us interns. And one of the first things that we did that summer was get commissioned at annual conference. Basically there was this massive meeting of, of pastors and laity from all over North Texas and they, they gathered together for this big service of worship and, and they were going to uh, pray us up and, and send us out to the mission field. Uh, So there I was, I was in this big worship service at First Methodist Richardson and I was wearing this bright green shirt that they made me wear. And I will be honest with you, at at that point I was was still really hesitant. Honestly, I was starting to second guess. I was thinking maybe I should turn around and go back, maybe I can still get out of this. 
Well, the keynote speaker that night, the, the preacher, was the bishop from the Chicago area, Bishop uh, Sally Dick, and she got up and she gave this wonderful sermon. And I will never forget one of the stories she told. She said that, that one day she was reading the religion section of the Chicago Tribune, and there was this story about a local congregation that was doing some new innovative ministry with the poor. And it was a great piece, but there was one mistake in the article. The headline of this little article had a misprint. The church that was doing this ministry was the first church of God. But in printing the paper, they had forgotten to put the D. And so the article's title read, First Church of Go Launches New Mission. And she went on in that sermon and she talked about how we have a tendency to get a little stuck. We have a tendency toward apathy. We're, we're sometimes afraid of what God's calling us to, and so we just stand still and do nothing. But she said, that's not who we are. That's not what following Jesus looks like. We're supposed to be a people, a church that acts, a church that does. We're supposed to be the first church of go. Well, she preached this, this convicting sermon, and then this pianist came up, and his name was Ken Medema. Ken is a uh, world-famous blind musician. And one of the amazing things that he does is he will listen to a sermon, and he will go up and improvise a song based on that sermon. So music team, let's, that sounds really cool. <laughs> no pressure. You might want to wait for a John and Todd sermon uh, for that, but... But that, this was Ken's thing. He would listen to, to the sermon and then improvise a song right on the spot. And you know what? That's exactly what he did that night. He got up and, and, and he created this song. And I don't remember a lot of it, but I do remember one line from the chorus that he sang over and over. He kept singing, Lord, we want the world to know we are the first church of go. Lord, we want the world to know we are the first church of go. That sermon, that song, all of it together made that night extremely impactful for me because I realized that that hesitant, apathetic, scared, frozen person that she was preaching about was me. And I decided I didn't want to be like that anymore. I didn't want to be a pillar of salt. I didn't want to look back. I wanted to move forward. I wanted to join the first church of Go. I wanted to make a difference and stop resisting what God was calling me to. See, that's what Lot's wife didn't do. She didn't let herself move forward to whatever it was God had next for her life. Maybe she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to make it in this new place. Or maybe she really was yearning for, for that life of, of sin that she'd been living. Whatever it was, this nameless woman, Navat, she looked back. And in doing so, she became a warning for all of us. In fact, she's only ever mentioned one other time in Scripture, and it's by Jesus. Jesus is preaching in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. This is what he says. He says, remember Lot's wife. 
Those who try to make their life secure will lose it. But those who lose their life will keep it. Jesus says, don't don't look back and try and secure your life. Don't stay there. Trust me and move forward. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't die so that we would be stuck in our past. Jesus didn't die so that we would live our lives looking backwards. He died for our freedom. He died so that we would be free from our past, free from sin, free from shame, free from anything that would turn us into Uncle Rico's or useless pillars of salt. Jesus lived and he died and he rose so that we all could move forward. Maybe you're sitting out there today and you think, Sam, you you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Or maybe you think your best days are behind you. That you're past your prime, that for whatever reason you aren't as useful anymore. If that's you today, I hope you will choose to make the decision that Lot's wife didn't. I hope you'll move forward. I hope you will know that as long as you have breath in your lungs, Jesus has got something for you. As long as you have breath in your lungs, Jesus has got a mission on earth for you. He has a purpose. He has a calling. And all you've got to do is ask yourself, what is it? What's next? What's God calling you to? What's next for your marriage? What's next for your family? What's next for your church? What's the next mission? What's the next way that you can love like Jesus? Whatever it is, let's move forward into it together. Let's forget what is behind and strain toward what lies ahead. Because we can choose to be pillars of salt. We can choose to be Uncle Rico's. We can choose to be like I was in college. We can can choose to look back and be stuck. Or we can take Jesus' advice. We can be like the Apostle Paul. We can choose to move forward and join the first church of Go. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you. I thank you for every person in this room, every person watching online. God, for each and every one of us, I pray that you would light a fire in us, light a fire under us, get us moving. Lord, if there is is, is something stopping us from taking the next step, eliminate it. Help us to overcome it. Lord, we don't know what you're calling to. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's making a phone call, sending a text message, including someone, inviting someone. Or God, maybe it's something big. Maybe it's getting involved in a ministry. Maybe it's creating a ministry, starting a movement for you. God, whatever it is, we are done looking back. We are ready to move forward. We are ready to go where you call. 
Lord, remind us that you are not a God that holds us in our shame. You are a God of forgiveness. You are a God of love and mercy and grace and all of that good stuff. So Lord, give us our orders. Send us out. Help us to be your hands and your feet in a world that desperately needs your touch. We pray all of this in the name of our rock, our savior, our redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.